Welcome to the podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd also like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.45, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Today is Easter Sunday, the day that we've been looking forward to for so long. It's the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And the usual greeting is, He is risen, and our response He is risen indeed. Now today, I'm preaching in a rather unusual setting. I'm preaching outside. I thought that would be a more appropriate setting to celebrate Easter Sunday. And our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, which was read to you earlier. And you know, even though we live in the midst of a pandemic, which is a very unique experience for us, In some ways, our setting was not that much different than the setting of the early disciples. Our setting is one of fear and uncertainty, of not knowing what the future may hold. And you know, that was pretty much the setting that the disciples were facing as well. I mean, think about it. Think about what they were facing. As far as they knew, their Lord and their master had been crucified and he was dead and gone. They didn't know what to face, and nor do we. But Jesus' message of Easter, and it's a two-part message, has a lot to say to us today in the midst of our anxieties and our uncertainties. What I'd like to do this morning is I'd like us to look at that two-part message, but before I do so, let's join together in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, we admittedly live in a pretty scary time. We live in fear of the COVID-19 virus. We live in fear of an economic collapse. We live in fear of the collapse of society. We live in fear of losing our jobs or perhaps losing our businesses. We live in fear of an uncertain future. Now, the early disciples knew what fear was like. After all, their beloved leader, teacher, and friend had been crucified. The one to whom they had committed their very lives was now gone. In addition, they also faced the very real possibility that they too might be arrested and share the same fate as their master. If anyone had reason to fear the future, it was the early disciples. You see, the disciples like us needed to hear a message of good news, a message of life, a message of hope for the future. And Jesus and the angel gave such good news to the women at the tomb on that first Easter morning. On this Easter morning, I'd like to declare that same two-part message to you. So, if you'd like to follow along, I encourage you to follow along with a PowerPoint presentation, which has my sermon outlined for today. And I encourage you to take notes. Consider 
what God is saying to you today about what the resurrection message of Jesus means for our life, particularly in the midst of this pandemic crisis. So let's begin with the first part of Jesus's two-part message. First of all, don't be afraid. First of all, don't be afraid. You know, countless things in this world make us afraid, don't they? I mean, the coronavirus pandemic, we're fearful of losing our jobs. We're fearful of losing our businesses, of having to lay off employees who have worked for us for decades and who are our close friends. We're fearful of an economic downturn, perhaps a new depression. We're fearful of death. And we're fearful of an unknown future. You know, retired Methodist Bishop Earl Hunt tells about the time that he attended a convention in Philadelphia celebrating the 250th birthday of our Methodist founder, John Wesley. Now, after the convention, a friend was driving him to the airport. And as it happened, there was a terrible thunderstorm in progress with lightning streaking across the sky. His friend, with a questionable sense of humor, said, Earl, I hope you make it. But if you don't, tell old John Wesley that we celebrated his birthday party. Earl Hunt replied, frankly, my friend, I'm not the least bit concerned about John Wesley. I'm worried about Earl Hunt. Frankly, my friend, I'm not the least bit concerned about John Wesley. I'm worried about Earl Hunt. So much in this fast-paced and frightening world scares us, doesn't it? But Jesus told the women at the tomb to not be afraid. Don't be afraid, he said. Now that same admonition is listed dozens of times in different places in the Bible. You see, we have good reason to take care courage. The Lord Jesus has defeated the evil one. The final enemy death has been vanquished. The final victory of Christ in this world is no longer in doubt. You know, the resurrection gives us a glimpse into the final scene on the stage of world history. We have a sneak preview of the last act of the human drama. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me illustrate that for you. Imagine that you were living in Czechoslovakia in July of 1944. Your country is under the harsh heel of Nazi occupation. But let's suppose that on your illegal radio, you could pick up the BBC. By radio, you receive the news that the Russian army is moving forward on all fronts in the east, and the Allies have made a victorious landing in Normandy, France. Now, you could safely conclude from this information that the winner of World War II is no longer in doubt. The next morning, 
Things might look just the same on the streets of Prague. The German troops would still be goose-stepping. But you would know, you would know that the end is no longer in doubt. The end is no longer in doubt. You see, the resurrection message is that the final victory belongs to Christ and his people. Our Lord Jesus and the devil have met in mortal combat at the cross and in the tomb. For three days, we were unsure of the outcome. But on Easter morning, Jesus emerged as the undisputed victor. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. The Lamb is one. And that brings us to the second part of Jesus' two-part message to the women at the tomb and for us today. Second, Jesus will be your road guide. Second, Jesus will be your road guide. Now, Jesus told the women to inform the disciples that he was going ahead of them to Galilee and would meet them there. Jesus is always out in front of his followers, paving the way, preparing our future. And you know, Jesus is always leading us, always ahead of us. You might recall that just a week earlier, Jesus had led the disciples into the lion's den of Jerusalem. The gospel writer Mark in chapter 10 described what that was like. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Let me repeat that. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Isn't that just like Jesus? No matter what dangers lay ahead, he was willing to walk into the jaws of hell for a heavenly cause. And you know, he still strides out in front of us, preparing us, beckoning us, challenging us. Jesus will meet you at every fork in the road. And if you have enough faith to ask, he will direct your paths. Do you remember what the writer of Proverbs wrote in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6? The writer of Proverbs promises, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. You know, when life breaks your heart, Jesus will be there saying, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then the psalmist promise us, promises us in Psalm 55, verse 11, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. So I want to ask you, on this Easter morning, do you have the confidence that comes from knowing Jesus as your road guide through life? I want you to think about that question. Do you have that confidence? Well, I want to close with this last illustration. 
You know, in December of 2008, a great woman of faith and a minister in the United Methodist Church, Kathleen Baskin Ball, Kathleen Baskin Ball was transferred from this world to heaven. Now, Kathleen was an elder in the North Texas Conference and had served there for over two decades. She began serving as a senior pastor of a very small, very poor Hispanic congregation located in West Dallas called Nueva Esperanza. Nueva Esperanza. Anybody know what that means? Well, it means new hope. And Kathleen brought new hope to that little struggling congregation. She spoke fluent Spanish, and the congregation loved her. Under her leadership, that congregation grew and did well. And even though they could barely afford to even pay her a salary, she loved serving that church, and she served them faithfully and with great joy. Now, she served them for four years, and after serving the four years there, the bishop moved her to serve another congregation in East Dallas. Kathleen would serve several other churches. Every church she served, almost every church she served, doubled or tripled in size. She was even awarded the Harry Denman Award in Evangelism and Church Growth for her success in growing churches. And she was the first woman recipient to ever receive that award. Now, if you knew Kathleen, though, you knew why. She had an incandescent personality which radiated the love and joy of Jesus. She had a personality that would light up a room, and people just wanted to be around her. She attracted people to herself just as a flame attracts moths. So if you knew her, you knew why churches grew under her leadership. Now, in 2001, Kathleen was appointed to serve a church in West Allen, which is where I live, called Sun Creek United Methodist Church. Now, when Kathleen first arrived there, they only had 545 members. But after serving there for just six brief years, that congregation grew to almost 1,200. During her leadership, they were also able to build a new sanctuary and education wing. Everyone loved Kathleen there, and she loved them. Her exuberance was infectious with all the people. They loved her. However, in January of 2008, Kathleen was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. Doctors informed her that she would have to undergo chemotherapy treatments. Now, Kathleen was unsure whether she should continue as a senior pastor at Sun Creek. She didn't know what to do. She prayed about it and thought about it. So she finally decided that she would reveal to the congregation that she had cancer and that she was going to have to undergo chemotherapy treatments. And she explained to them that she didn't know how that was going to impact her ministry and that she understood if they felt like they needed to have a new senior pastor. So she let the congregation decide. Can you guess what they decided? They refused to let her leave. So Kathleen con continued serving that congregation with great joy 
and enthusiasm. Now, there were some Sundays when Kathleen was so weak from the chemotherapy treatments that she would literally have to sit in a chair to do her sermons. But she was there most every Sunday, and she continued preaching and serving that church with joy. A few months later, the beginning of the summer of 2008, doctors informed her after she had more tests that apparently the cancer had gone into remission. And as you might guess, Kathleen was overjoyed. However, her joy was short-lived. Because a few months later, in October of 2008, after having more tests, the doctors informed her that the cancer had returned and had spread to her brain. They told her that she only had a few weeks to live. So, Kathleen Baskin Ball began saying goodbye to her many, many friends and family. One week before she died, a family in the congregation asked Kathleen if she could baptize their infant. Now keep in mind, Kathleen was very weak and very ill, but she agreed to do it. But when Sunday rolled around and it came time to do the baptism, 34 more people came forward to be baptized. Kathleen was so weak that she had to literally hold her hands up and have her girlfriends in ministry hold them up so that she could perform the baptisms. But she baptized every one of them, and she did it with great joy. She did it with great joy. Two days later, Kathleen Baskin Ball would die in her home. But shortly before she died, with that radiant smile and those twinkling eyes, she said this, I'm not afraid to die. I've lived a full life here. Now I'm ready for the rest of the story. I'm not afraid to die. I've lived a full life here. Now I'm ready for the rest of the story. Kathleen Baskin Ball was confident that the one who had led her throughout her life would lead her even through the valley of the shadow of death. So, today, I want to ask you, do you have that confidence this morning? Do you have the confidence that comes from knowing Jesus as your road guide through life? Now, I know that many of us are struggling with different fears, and those fears come in many forms. As I indicated earlier, some of us are afraid of contracting this coronavirus. Others of us are afraid of seeing our children or our parents or our spouse or our friends come down with it. Some of us are afraid of losing our jobs. Some of us are afraid of losing our businesses, of having, having to let go employees that we've known for decades and who we're, we feel responsible for and whom we love. Some of us are afraid of death. And then some of us, some of us are afraid of an unknown future. You know, we don't know from one day to another what may happen. And that fills us with a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. But in the midst of this situation of pandemic in which we live, there's good news. And the good news is that Christ has been raised from the dead. The enemy thought he was gone 
when he was crucified. But God raised him from the dead. And in raising him from the dead, he has the victory over all death, all evil, all suffering. And you know what? Because he's been raised from the dead, we don't have to be afraid. We can live with confidence and hope because Christ is with us. He's alive. The risen Lord is here. I can't tell you what the future may hold. I don't know any more than you do. But I'll tell you this. One thing I do know is we don't have to face that future alone. Our living Lord is right here with us to face it with us and to give us the strength and courage to face whatever we may have to face. So we don't have to live in fear. We can live in confidence and hope because Jesus is alive. He's alive. And even though we may be locked in our homes, enclosed in our homes, that doesn't change the message. He is alive and we can celebrate that. So, let me ask you, do you know that he's alive? Is he living in you? You know, I just love the hymn, Because He Lives. It goes, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Life is worth living just because he lives. And we can face anything because Jesus is alive in us and gives us the strength and courage to face an uncertain future. Well, let me ask you this. Can you say like Kathleen Baskin-Ball did, now I'm ready for the rest of the story? Are you ready for the rest of the story? Well, in conclusion, the good news of Easter is that we needn't fear the future. With Jesus as our road guide, we'll be more than conquerors through him who loved us. He is risen. He is risen indeed. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.